Good evening, Crypt Keepers, and welcome to another enigmatic episode of Cryptique. I'm joined, as always, by a man who knows when you fart on an elevator, you're wrong on every level. Ryan, what's up? <laughs> Not a whole lot. That's pretty good. <clears throat> I like that one. It's a good dad joke. My, uh, my boss told me one a while ago, she asked, how, how does Ariel wash her tail? Uh, yeah, that is bad. Not that mine's any better, though. Uh, All right. Yeah, let us know what you guys think about my jokes. <laughs> All right. Tell them what they need to know. All right. As usual, like, subscribe, rate, share, whatever you can do in your platform to help with the algorithm. That's always useful, but sharing it with somebody who you know and will probably like it is always the best. And we are now starting to try to do this through video. I don't know if this one in particular is going to be going out on YouTube, but we're experimenting. So if we are on YouTube, hello. You can finally see what we look like and have your you know, inner image of it shattered. <laughs> kind of like when you see a live action version of a character from yeah. a book. <laughs> um, so yeah, check us out on YouTube. We're going to start doing more of that. And we're going to start having some of our guests on YouTube as well, because I know a lot of them have things that they want to share with everybody. They want they have photos, slides, websites, whatever. So we're going to try to make that happen more. And you can help us keep the servers on with buy me a coffee. You can also support us by going to crypticpodcaststore.com and picking up one of Jay's actually pretty cool designs <laughs> over there because I've been going through a lot of our old like artwork and stuff like that and some of those are really what good. a glowing review uh, actually not so bad designs <laughs> i didn't notice how good they were like i know every once in a while I look at them and it's like that's really fucking good but then it's like you think about it and it's you're creating these without assistance from ai well for the most there are part few i've done where i've used yeah some cool designs on there if you guys want and if you have anything you want to say if you want to tell us how ugly we are and how you didn't expect us to look this way or whatever you can email us at crypticpodcast at gmail.com and all of our socials are of course all right well we got a great email this week with a suggestion uh that was early this morning so i didn't put it in in your script but anyway the, like our listeners for some reason don't want to give their real names i don't know if they're embarrassed or what but uh this this one is from sin d s-i-n-n dash d I hope this email finds you well. My name is Cindy, probably Cindy, and I'm an avid listener of your podcast. I've been enjoying your engaging discussions on ghosts and urban legends and appreciate the captivating storytelling you bring to your audience. I wanted to reach out to express my enthusiasm for your podcast and to suggest a theme that I believe would resonate well with your audience, ghost stories written by young women. It's a captivating genre that combines the artistry of storytelling with unique perspectives and experiences. So, well well written. I mean, it sounds like she's a writer to me. Yeah. So, yeah, if you want to share a story you've written, just email us, and we'd love to do a show on just listener stories. So if everybody emails us, we get enough stories, we could do, you know, even just like a 15, 20-minute after party, we'd be happy to do that. So just email us your story. Yeah, definitely. All right, what are we talking about tonight? It is time to sit back and enjoy a story about a phantom of a man or woman from Illinois in the 1940s, the Mad Gasser of Mattoon. Mm -hmm. 
The individual, known by various names, including the Mad Gasser Mattoon, the, the Anesthetic Prowler, Frizz, the Phantom Anesthetist, or simply the Mad Gasser, that for some reason I'm having a lot of trouble with that word today, is believed to have orchestrated a series of gas attacks in Mattoon, Illinois, during the mid-1940s. Over a two-week period, police received reports of more than two dozen separate cases of gassings, accompanied by numerous sightings of the suspected assailant. The purported victims of the gasser described an unsettling sequence of events, strange odors infiltrating their homes, followed by symptoms such as leg paralysis, coughing, nausea, and vomiting. All sounds like gas stuff to me. Yeah. Despite the alarming nature of these reports, no fatalities or severe medical consequences were documented. Law enforcement, however, maintained a skeptical stance throughout the entire incident. The absence of any tangible evidence and the revelation of straightforward explanations for many reported gassings, such as spilled nail polish or odors from animals in local factories, led authorities to question the validity of the claims. Now, I just want to add here. Hmm. I have an unbelievably fat dachshund. <laughs> and some of the gases she has released make me uh, cough, <laughs> make me nauseous. <laughs> I haven't experienced leg paralysis yet, but I mean, it's on the animal way. odor. That could, that could be part of it. Yeah. I fed her some hardies this morning. so Oh, God. No wonder she's <laughs> fat. I had a dog one time that actually woke me up with a fart. The, yeah. I've never been roused from my slumber by a scent before. And I woke up and I'm like, <laughs> like, what the hell is that? And he just gave me this look. Yeah, I knew it was. He was like, what? You want to fight? <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> look, yeah, I'm not humping your leg, bitch. <laughs> Notably, those who experienced the alleged symptoms recovered swiftly without enduring any lasting health effects. Despite the lack of substantial proof, local newspapers fueled the alarm by publishing sensational articles, go figure, about the reported attacks, treating the accounts as undeniable facts. Today, they would probably not only say that it happened, but they would try to attribute it to a specific group yeah. for a specific purpose, I think. I mean, that's probably a little social commentary that people don't need, but and I agree. I though. feel like they would say right-wingers did this yeah. or BLM protesters did that. They would yeah. put it on somebody. It just depends which news organization you watch. <laughs> Absolutely. We don't we don't have random crime anymore. It's all motivated by whatever your political beliefs are. For sure. Uh, the prevailing consensus among historians is that these incidents represent a case of mass hysteria. Nevertheless, some individuals persist in the belief that the mad gasser was a genuine threat while others propose alternative explanations such as industrial pollution to account for these perceived attacks. Yeah. How wonderful would it be for, you know, a, a young woman to call the police and say, Hey, you know, I, this happened to me. There was someone in the house, you know, the window was open or whatever. And then the police just being like, eh, it was probably just the stinky farm up the road. I mean, how would that make you feel like yeah. you can't you can't even call the police for help on something like this because they don't even believe you. It's a sad state. Well, just to go back to that email, I feel like that might be part of the female perspective on some of these stories is not being believed. Absolutely. Because there are so many like I've read a lot of 
older books, early 1900s, late 1800s, where when something's going on with a man, there's a problem that has to be solved. And when there's something going on with a woman, it's hysteria or there's even some of the Sherlock Holmes stories where it's like, you know, this, this thing happened and we saw this apparition or we saw like a monster or whatever. And the, what lady of the house has been incensed for three days or whatever. Like she's so upset. She's out of her mind and you can't even talk to her. It's sexism for sure. I mean, yeah, well, I mean, I think a lot of what's going on now is still sexism. Fair enough. But yeah, we'll get into some more of that uh, kind of dismissal. We're talking about a while ago, but it's yeah. pretty obvious as we go through that there's a lot of uh, misogyny involved here. Let's uh-huh. talk about the appearance. The prevailing contemporary accounts of the mad gasser heavily rely on the testimony provided by Mr. and Mrs. Burt Kearney of 1408 Marshall Avenue, who were the first victims of the Mattoon gas attacks to be reported by the media. According to their description, the gasser appeared to be a tall and slender individual in dark clothing and sporting a snug-fitting cap. In a separate report, Issued several weeks later, an alternative depiction emerged, characterizing the gasser as a female masquerading in male attire. Dun-dun-dun, tie-in. The discrepancy in descriptions (laughs) added a layer of complexity to the ongoing investigation, which you would expect because it's like, I don't know, what do you think, like 95% of the time there's any kind of violence involved, it's probably a man. But... Yeah, generally. But now if they're saying like, oh, we could be looking for a woman too, that really opens up the suspect pool. Yeah. Consistent details across various accounts highlighted that the gasser was often seen carrying a flit gun, an agricultural tool designed for pesticide spraying. And what this looks like, you guys have probably seen it if you've seen like old, old, old Tom and Jerry cartoons or something like that, or the Mm -hmm. uh, Spy versus Spy in the uh, Mad Magazine. It's almost like a basketball pump with a couple of uh, like a little tank, little cylinders. Yeah. And they just, uh, it's not like a constant spray. You pump it and then spray it. According to witness statements, the gasser purportedly utilized this instrument to discharge the mysterious gas during the reported attacks. These details, while contributing to the overall narrative, also introduced variations in eyewitness testimonies, adding intricacies to the attempts to apprehend or identify the alleged perpetrator. Yeah. So... This is a pretty scary individual. Um, I'm picturing someone with a kind of an old World War II style gas mask on and spraying this uh, this concoction. Yeah. Yeah, it sounds almost like something from a an old Batman comic or something like that. Oh, I could totally see the Riddler doing that. In an art deco kind of style. It's... Mm-hmm. Uh, pretty foreign today especially the type <clears throat> the type of sprayer right i hadn't right. even thought about the fact that probably most people it's like i immediately thought of old like hanna Barbera cartoons yeah that's probably where most people would have seen that all right but to get into the attacks the mm-hmm. inaugural incident of the 1944 gasser occurrences was on august 31st 
at a residence on Grant Avenue in Mattoon. Urban Rafe was awakened during the early morning hours by an unusual odor, experienced nausea, weakness, and also had a bout of vomiting. So all the telltale signs that his dog farted, according to the police. <laughs> Concerned about potential domestic gas poisoning, Rafe's wife attempted to inspect the kitchen stove, only to find herself partially paralyzed and unable to leave her bed. Because, you know, gas stoves, you leave them on. Apart from just fire, they can displace the oxygen in the house, so that does make sense. A similar incident transpired later that night involving a young mother in close proximity. Awoken by her daughter's coughing, she discovered her own inability to leave her bed. The following day, on the 1st of September, Mrs. Kearney of Marshall Avenue reported a third incident, initially attributing a strong, sweet odor to external sources. She began losing feeling in her legs, prompting panic and a call for help. The police found no evidence of a prowler, but Bert Kearney, returning home around 1230 a.m., discovered an unidentified man near a window. The man eluded capture in Kearney's description, a tall man in dark clothing with a tight-fitting cap, as she said earlier, became the widely adopted portrayal of the gasser as opposed to that it could be a female dressed as a man or whatever else. Post-attack, Mrs. Kearney reported a burning sensation on her lips and throat attributed to the gas's effects. I'm trying to think of anything that would cause that. I don't know that I've ever felt burning on my lips or throat from anything. Yeah, there's a suggestion made later on what the the gas could be. Well, there's a couple, but yeah, I'm not familiar with anything that burns your uh, lips and throat that doesn't, that's not like a solvent of some kind. Yeah, the closest thing I can think of is I dated the reptilian that I dated, and I might have told this story before. She tried to make some kind of meal. I don't know. But she mixed up <laughs> teaspoons and tablespoons of some kind of pepper. Oh, God. And she basically accidentally made, like, tear gas. Like, we had to leave the house. Nice. You know, we, were, we were just, air, you know, opened up all the windows, stood out on the, on the porch, <laughs> and just waited for everything to air out. But it just killed our eyes and throats and stuff. But it didn't bother my lips or anything. Honey, is there a difference between black pepper and ghost pepper. I just use the ghost pepper. Is that a problem? <laughs> yeah. Three dashes of ghost pepper. I think that's okay. Oh, all right. Despite initial suspicions of robbery, subsequent investigations revealed no motive of theft. So I guess that means that the police didn't find anything that was actually missing. Yeah. Um, Cause that's the Columbo <laughs> thing. What's what's there now that wasn't there before. What was there before that's missing now and what's been moved right right isn't that his thing god for i don't know why that was so hard to remember sounds good okay local newspapers erroneously labeled this incident as the first gasser attack in the days following several similar attacks occurred yet victims provided vague descriptions and no clues were found the first physical evidence surfaced on the 5th of september at the cordis residence involving a piece of white cloth when Beulah Cordes smelled it, she fell violently ill. A second incident on North 13th Street involved an attempted break-in and gassing reported by Mrs. Leonard Burrell. Public concern heightened involving the FBI, police warnings against lingering in residential areas, and the disbandment of gasser patrol groups for safety. I'm guessing these are uh, 
sort of vigilante groups. Yeah, neighborhood watch. Yeah, with pitchforks. I mean, the forties would be a pretty dangerous time to. I mean, it was a different breed of man around back then. Oh yeah, very much a take things into your own hands sort of uh, approach for for a lot of these guys. Yeah, but I don't think there were as many men around as usual. Uh, yeah, that's true. This would have been right as right around the time we were entering the war. Yeah. Chief of Police C.E. Cole cautioned against indiscriminate firearm use. So don't shoot off your guns at anything that moves. Reports of footprints, tears, and window screens and increased false alarms surfaced by September 12th. Police attributing the incidents to explainable occurrences amplified by public fears declared the situation a manifestation of women's anxieties during local men's wartime service. Yep. The police said that the situation was a manifestation of women's anxieties during local men's wartime service. (laughs) Is it a tulpa then? Because there's a lot of people seeing it. (laughs) I mean. Yeah. Yeah. They manifested a tulpa of a guy with like the gas thing, the little gas pump deal. So sad. Following this announcement, gas reports declined, uh, probably because they sort of shamed the people who were reporting Mm -hmm. it. With one notable case involving Bertha Birch claiming to have seen a gasser who was a woman dressed as a man. And we will cover the timeline after a quick break. Welcome back, Grip Keepers. All right, so let's go over the timeline. Uh, we're gonna, I'm going to tell you the date the victim, the location, and if there's any notes. So we covered August 31st of 1944, Mr. and Mrs. Urban Wraith on Grant Avenue. There was another sighting by an unnamed witness on September 1st, as well as um, Mrs. Charles Ryder on Prairie Avenue. Uh, September 1st, Mrs. Burt Kearney on Marshall Avenue. And this was the first case reported in the media and most of the gasser descriptions derived from this case because she was the only one that got a, you know, a, a good, a real good view at, at that point. Uh, we skip four days and go to September 5th to Mrs. Beulah Cordes, North 21st Street, and became ill after smelling cloth found on the porch. I guess this would be a good time to say that if you're suspecting that there's a serial poisoner or gasser on the loose and you find a cloth that smells funny around your house. You, you pull it tight over your yeah. face and breathe deeply. Yes, exactly. <laughs> All right. Also on September 5th, Mrs. Leonard Burrell on North 13th Street. And then September 6th, Mrs. Laura Yunkin, Richmond Avenue. Ardell Spangle, North 15th Street. Fred Goble, Saul Prowler, believed to be gasser. Glenda Hendershot, South 14th Street. Daniel Spahn, North 19th Street. Cordy Ta- Mrs. Cordy Taylor, Charleston Avenue. Uh, Miss Frances Smith and Miss Maxine Smith on Moultrie Avenue. So September 6th was busy. September 7th, mm-hmm. um, these two also saw blue vapor and heard a motorized buzzing sound to believe to be from gassing machinery. September 8th, Mr. C.W. Driscoll on DeWitt Avenue. September 9th, Mrs. Genevieve Haskell 
and Grayson Wayne Haskell and Mrs. Russell Bailey and Miss Catherine Tuzo. September 9th, Lucy Stevens on North 32nd Street. And an unnamed witness saw on September 10th on Champaign Avenue. And another one on September 10th on Moultrie Avenue. Then uh, Miss Frances Smith and Miss Maxine Smith on Moultrie Avenue, a third reported attack. And September 13th, Bertha Birch described Gasser as being a woman dressed as a man and woman's footprints found at the scene. So uh-huh. there's a lot of ladies on here, several men too, yeah. but I do think that it's interesting that kind of as we go along, they're like, look, I'm not going to tell you my name. You're just going to berate me. Yeah. Well, and it sounds like there are, it's a, it's sprees of doing this because a lot of these reports, it's multiple times in a single mm-hmm. day. The six has a bunch, you know, the first and fifth, it's escalating. It's one and then it's two. Mm-hmm. And then it's a bunch of reports on the sixth. Yeah. Then on the seventh, it's the those same two, Francis and Maxine. Then the eighth is one siding or one report at least. The ninth is two, but it's five people total. It just seems like whoever's doing this is picking certain nights and going out and just doing it a bunch unless they're scared off by something. I don't know. It, you would think if it was mass hysteria, it'd be everybody reporting it all at once or just like constant reports that overlap a lot. But it's like, I mean, kind of a reasonable amount. Yeah. <sighs> you know, if you go trick or treating, you can hit a bunch of houses in one night. If you're running around trying to scare the shit out of people or gas people. You can probably do quite a bit of that in one night. Yeah, that's for sure. All right. You want to tell us about the explanations? The Mattoon Mad Gasser incident has spurred three primary theories attempting to explain the peculiar events. Mass hysteria, industrial pollution, and the existence, or I should say, or the existence of a genuine physical assailant. So that's finally in there. Additionally, authors in the paranormal literature have explored and written about these events, adding layers of speculation and intrigue to the narrative. But to start off with mass hysteria, one prevalent theory posits that the reported gas attacks were manifestation of mass hysteria within the community. The suggestion is that the initial reports may have triggered a chain reaction of fear and anxiety leading to the widespread belief in the existence of the gasser. The power of suggestion and shared anxiety could have fueled subsequent reports, creating a self-perpetuating cycle, which... Bullshit. Maybe. Well, I mean, but maybe. Maybe. If you see somebody walking around at night or something like that, you might be more prone to think that maybe this is the person everybody's talking about but i don't know i mean the descriptions are relatively similar but anyway you want to talk about the pollution one sure industrial pollution another theory proposes that industrial pollution or environmental factors may have played a role in the reported symptoms this could include the release of certain chemicals or pollutants into the air potentially leading to the described odors and physical reactions experienced by the alleged victims. Proponents of this theory point to the industrial context of Mattoon during that period. But we'll find out later that this one is probably bullshit too. But what's our next theory? 
an actual physical assailant. Some believe in the existence of a real, tangible assailant responsible for the gas attacks. According to this theory, an individual or a group could have used a substance, possibly a form of gas or chemical, to target specific households. Potentially, uh, what was it, Maxine and whatever, the Smith ladies, who were attacked three times or reported it three times. The motive behind such attacks remains a subject of speculation with possibilities ranging from criminal intent to personal vendettas. Which is something I actually did think about as you were reading the timeline. Mm -hmm. The same couple people reported it three times. And I know I've either watched movies or TV shows or read books where there are killings that appear random. And some of them are random, but it's random to make it look like a serial killer. When in reality, they're after one or two specific people. And they're like, we're going to kill these two guys, but we're going to kill these eight other people to make it look like it's just a Tylenol murders. Perfect example. They, they wanted to kill one person, but they poisoned like six. So it would look like a random attack. Yeah. Boom. All right. What about paranormal? All right. Anything paranormal to it? Well, probably not. (laughs) I, I don't know if I can say like, does it involve spirits? No. Probably not. Does it involve uh, the occult or just being involved in a cult? Probably not. Uh, Does this person have psychic powers? Probably not. Is this person really fucked up in the head and wants to like poison people, but is maybe uh, just kind of scared to move on to their next part of the plan? Like maybe it started like, you know, I'm going to, see what this gas does to see if I can take advantage of these, these women. I mean, that's what I kind of get out of it, but mm-hmm. uh, yeah, I mean, authors within the paranormal genre have offered alternative explanations and that kind of, you know, gets into the supernatural or extraterrestrial. Um, some people have suggested that this may be some sort of alien, but it seems odd to me that, an alien that could just take a tractor beam and, you know, take you through the window of your house would be like, yeah, I don't know. Let's uh, mix this airplane cement up and see what it does to someone. So, yeah. But the accounts often explore the possibility of otherworldly forces or entities being responsible for the reported incidents, introducing elements of mystery and speculation beyond conventional explanations. The Mad Gasser of Mattoon remains a fascinating and enigmatic chapter in local history, with the diverse theories reflecting the complex nature of the reported events and the enduring intrigue surrounding them. We'll talk mass hysteria after a quick break. Welcome back, Crypt Keepers. Tell us about the mass hysteria. Yeah, so nearly two weeks into the Mattoon attacks, Thomas V. Wright, the local commissioner of public health, made a significant announcement. He acknowledged the occurrence of several gassing incidents, but attributed many of them to mass hysteria. Wright suggested the residents, upon hearing alarming accounts, might panic when confronted by seemingly innocuous occurrences like an unusual odor or a shadow at the window. He stated, there is no doubt 
that a gas maniac exists and has made a number of attacks, but many of the reported attacks are nothing more than hysteria. Fear of the gas man is entirely out of proportion to the menace of the relatively harmless gas he is spraying. The whole town is sick with hysteria. Well, let's talk about that for a second. Let's talk about, there is no doubt a gas maniac. Okay, I I agree with that. But you're telling people, yeah, there's somebody out there that's, uh, you know, breaking into homes and poisoning But you're people. blowing it way out of proportion, <laughs> right. is what he's saying. Yeah, that's pretty funny yeah it's it's like i don't know how you can say it's mass hysteria when you say there's actually someone out there doing it i know that you Uh can say well you know people's uh people are on high alert hyper vigilant they might see somebody you know walking their dog or something and think like "Ooh, could that be him i need to look i need to pay attention but i don't think that it's going to cause like 17 people to be like Oh yeah, he was trying to get me too, and and then they're also like, uh, it's relatively harmless. I mean, you're only paralyzed temporarily, and the burning in your, you know, your lips and lips and throat, throat yeah, it goes away. You know, just quit complaining. I, I mean, you guys are just a bunch of complainers. Listen, we got donuts to eat. Okay, we don't have time to be looking for this guy who's going around gassing people with not so toxic gas. <laughs> You're making this guy sound like chief Wiggum. <laughs> <laughs> he is. I mean, I never understand. Like I support police, right? We need police. We need police that have the ability to respond to school shootings. We need police that have the ability to respond to hostage situations and stuff like that. But it seems like a lot of them are just like, eh, yeah. I mean, she she pro- she's 11. She probably ran away. Just give it a few days and we'll see if she comes back before we do the, any investigative work. Or, you know, mm-hmm. it's, it's just the laziness is unacceptable. You know, if you or I were at a job and we're like, yeah, I mean, I know that's our job, but we're just not going to do it today. I mean, that wouldn't fly. Yeah, you're blowing this way out of proportion. These deadlines, <laughs> they're more suggestions. Right. There's no legal requirement for me to push this code out on this day or whatever. Yeah, yeah there should be a Homer Simpson test if you're going to be a, a police officer. You cannot be Homer Simpson. All right. On September 12th, uh, the chief of police, C.E. Cole, expanded on Wright's hypothesis asserting that there may not have been an actual gas attack or any actual gas attacks, I should say. So he's not just saying some of them are fake. He's saying they may all mm-hmm. be fake. See, and I, I a little bit get the first one because uh, who knows what it was actually like in that town at the time. He may sure. be saying like, yeah, there's something going on, but the whole town is freaking out and we need to calm down because it's going to make the investigation so much harder. Yeah. But now the police chief is saying this may, may all be fake. So instead, he proposed that reported witnesses were likely triggered by chemicals carried on the wind from nearby industrial facilities exacerbated by public panic. This viewpoint gained further support in 1945 when Donald M. Johnson published The Phantom Anesthetist of Mattoon, a field study of mass hysteria in the Journal of Abnormal and Social Psychology. You know what? I... Before before we get any further, I just want to bring up. Sure. So 
he proposed that the report reported incidents were likely triggered triggered by chemicals carried on the wind from nearby industrial facilities. You want to check that out, boss? You want to run down there and uh, see what's going on? Or are you just going to be like, man, it's probably just a dangerous chemical leak in the plant in town. You know what I mean? Like, uh, it's pro- that's probably it. Well, what the fuck? That's a big deal, too, dude. You got people getting sick from, uh, uh, you know, what's run off from this chemical facility. And you're like, eh, it's probably just that. No biggie. It'll be fine. I got to get to my cabin this weekend, man. I don't have time to investigate. In high school and into college, I knew two girls who lived, one lived by a landfill, Mm -hmm. like this neighborhood that was not, it's not like you were looking at it. Right. But you could but smell if the it. wind blew wrong, you yeah. could smell it. Yeah. But they weren't hallucinating or anything. I mean, there were definitely gases and stuff coming from it. And another uh, friend of mine, after high school, her and a friend got an apartment in Wood River, Illinois, mm-hmm. which has a massive oil refinery. And they thought they were far enough away, even though they were sort of right before most of the development stops and it's like land that belongs to the refinery because stuff needs to be away from it. Right. And they still, she was like, it fucking stinks. She was like, it's so bad. <laughs> I don't know how long she stayed there. I don't think it was very long, but even in those cases being near an oil refinery, I also, uh, I mean, I know several people that live in Granite city fairly near the U S steel plant. Hmm. In all these cases, you can smell chemicals. You can yeah. smell gases, but you're not having burning on your lips or your throat. You're not hallucinating anything. You're not paralyzed. So you're safe. It's probably not great, <laughs> but it's not. I don't know. I don't know what they would be developing in Mattoon in the 40s that would be causing these where it's like, oh, it's fine. It's just gases yeah. on the wind. Yeah, it's. It, it makes no sense. And it just sounds like total laziness. We'll get into what the gas may have been, but it's like, dude, your job is to protect people. It, it doesn't matter what your viewpoint is on this. If your viewpoint is that it's probably gas leaks or chemical leaks or whatever from the local, whatever, you know, chemical plant, it's your job to protect the people. So what are you going to just be like, well, it doesn't really fall under my jurisdiction or no, you go and you solve the crime. You solve it. You don't just say, Oh, it's probably just a bunch of scared women, man. I'm not going to waste my time on that. Do your fucking job. Because I can't imagine that in 1944, Mattoon, Illinois, there was like a huge gang problem. Or, you know, there were multiple serial killers. It's like, this is your job. This is it. Work on this. Clear this case, boss. All right. I'm just curious what the population is. Yeah. 16,000 today. I have no idea how to tell what it would have been in the 40s. Probably less. Quickly. Probably. <laughs> I mean, I'm assuming less. Although, honestly, some of these little Illinois towns have stayed the same for a long time. The town Kim is originally from has had like 2,000-ish people since like the 1920s. Yeah, but even if the population is 16,000, there could be 6,000 men off at war. So, 
Yeah. 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 That's, yeah, that's kind of where I was going to go with that. All right. So Johnson's study documented the Mattoon incident as a case study in mass hysteria. In 59, psychologists, quite a ways, you know, after this, psychologist James P. Chaplin uh, shared this opinion as well, forming the basis for subsequent studies on the phenomena. That is hysteria, not somebody actually <laughs> gassing people and people telling the truth. Yeah. Many of the physical symptoms recorded during the, uh, I I would say, but a tour. <laughs> I like butt tour. But I don't know. Butt tort. During the butt tort. Yeah, it makes you want to snap your suspenders. The butt tort and Mattoon incidents, including choking, swelling of mucous membranes, and temporary paralysis or weakness, align with suggested symptoms of hysteria. Some experts argue that the mass hysteria was intensified by sensational headlines, such as Mrs. Kearney and daughter first victims in Mattoon, uh, Mattoon's Journal Gazette, which implied... The anticipation of more attacks. So to restate that, yeah, yeah to restate that, they, they didn't say there was an attack. They said the first attack has happened, and that that is. Uh, yeah. I mean, I've seen this as a meme before, kind of like you go back in time. You're mm. like, what's what's going on right now? What's important? Like, there's a world war. Which one? And the person's like, which one? <laughs> Like one or two. And they're like, what do you yeah. mean two? It's like, oh, okay, I know where I am. Yeah. There's been an attack. There you go. The first one or the second one? What do you mean second one? All right. <laughs> All right. Do you want to get on to All toxic right. waste theory or pollution or whatever? I do. Yes. So on September 12th, Chief of Police Cole speculated that substances like carbon tetrachloride or trichlorothylene, known for their sweet odor and capable of inducing symptoms similar to those reported by alleged gasser victims, could have been the culprits. So this is a statement. This, this is still no investigation. This is speculation. In response to Cole's statement, Atlas Imperial, the primary company implicated in the controversy, issued its own statement. They claimed that their facility only had five gallons of carbon tetrachloride in stock, and that was all contained within firefighting equipment. Atlas Imperial officials further denied that any quantities of trichlorothylene, an industrial solvent used by Atlas, could be responsible for the sickness in the town. They reasoned that significant amounts of the chemical would have been required to cause illness, and factory workers would have experienced similar symptoms long before the townspeople were affected. Fact, yeah. right? You don't, you're not, it, it's, if you're standing at a burning building and there's people down the street, you're going to get burned before they do. It's pretty simple. If you're working around these solvents that are allegedly yeah. leaking, you're going to be affected before people down the street. Yeah. Now, it's also true that chemical companies and all kinds of manufacturers, and they all lie. They all say, no, no, we didn't have that. No, couldn't have been us. But Ryan, that's why you need an mm -hmm. investigation. Okay, I believe you, but just to you know, kind of quell the panic. Let's go in and you show me where everything's at. And I want to talk to some people that are working here because they're probably 
wearing gas masks. So maybe that's why they're not being affected, but people down the street are. You know, do some work. It's noteworthy that at the time of the gassing incidents, the Atlas plan had been certified as safe by the State Department of Health. They had been yeah. certified as safe. But again, get <laughs> off your ass and go investigate. I mean, I've just, we do more investigative work in the field than this guy, you know? Oh, it's probably mass hysteria. It's definitely mass hysteria. And if it's not mass hysteria, it's definitely this. You, you know, it's like you can't have two definitelys. <laughs> oh, that's pretty good, though. But yeah, and the, and even if you're wearing a gas mask at work at this chemical plant, you're not wearing it all the time. Yeah. I mean, I have a buddy who worked at the uh, steel mill for, well, I have no idea if he still works there or not. We haven't talked in a while, but that's where he used to work. And I remember one day he just texted me a picture from his truck, like driving in. And he's like, this is, this is what it looked like today. And it was just like this weird, slightly like orange or brownish fog, like very thick. And he was just like, I have, yeah, he's like, I have no idea what this is. I just hope my door seals and cabin air filter are up to it. Like, I have no clue what this is. I just, this truck is my little sanctuary right now. But it's like, yeah, you're not avoiding everything all the time. You're getting out of your vehicle. You're going in. You're getting dressed. A lot of the time you're showering or something there. Depending on what kind of place it is. I would assume in a chemical plant you probably are. Yeah. Anyway. I would hope so. What did author Scott Maruna think? We'll find out after a quick break. Welcome back, Crypt Keepers. Ryan, mm-hmm. you're facing the final boss now, Scott Maruna. What did he have to say about it? Because this guy, this guy knows it backwards and forwards. Okay, so this is uh, from an Illinois Times article from May 1st of 2003. The title being Scott Maruna researched the topic and wrote the book, The Mad Gas from Mattoon, Dispelling the Hysteria. Apparently published by a place called Swamp Gas Book Company, which is so good. That is such a good name. I love it yes. so much. That's I've been excited to read this for what just to read that, that name. <laughs> All right. But he said he's ready yeah. to name names. For over two years, he researched leads, interviewed witnesses, and poured over every bit of information he could dig up on the Mad Gasser of Mattoon. He has studied police reports, pondered newspaper articles, and constructed criminal profiles. I think I have been almost obsessed with this case for the past two years, Marina says. I have probably read everything ever written about the Mad Gasser of Mattoon. After countless hours of hard work and investigation, Maruna said he has made some startling discoveries, unlocking secrets surrounding the case that have been buried for the last 60 years. That's 60 years as of the writing of his book and the article. Maruna said he has uncovered the true identity of the Mad Gasser Mattoon, and while the name of the Gasser may come as no surprise to some longtime Mattoon residents, he believes most people will be shocked by what he calls the other half of the story. According to Maruna's recently released book, The Mad Gasser Mattoon, Dispelling the Hysteria, the real Mad Gasser was not an escaped Nazi, a crazed ape man, 
or a figment of the imagination, as many other publications and the police, that's my own insert here, <laughs> have reported over the last several decades. Instead, Maruna's theory suggests that Gasser was actually a well-known resident of Mattoon, someone from an influential family who had a grudge against many area residents and desired revenge against the town that would not accept him. That person, according to Maruna's book, was Farley Llewellyn, the son of a grocer who was considered a pillar of the community. Although his father was highly respected, Farley never fit in to the Mattoon community. When I spoke with people who knew him, the same words would keep coming up over and over. Odd, different, recluse, loner, Maruna said. Although he was highly intelligent and excelled in school, no one ever really understood him. When Farley returned to Mattoon after attending the University of Illinois as a chemistry major, Maruna's sources report that he became even more introverted and distant. Spending most of his time in a full-scale cellar chemistry laboratory on his family's property, Farley began drinking heavily. Only days before the first mad gasser attack, one neighbor recalls an explosion that resulted from one of Farley's experiments in the secret lab. Maruna said he has no doubt that the explosion occurred while Farley was testing the gas he would later use to torment local residents. I believe his true motive was to blow up the town, Maruna said. Maruna, a Jacksonville chemistry and physics teacher who grew up in Charleston, said the gas Farley used could have been nitromethane, a sweet-smelling, clear, and highly volatile liquid that can cause nausea, burning of the mouth, swelling of the lips, and minimal eye irritation. Because nitromethane evaporates quickly, little to no evidence would be left by the time police arrived at the scene of the attacks. Following almost all the attacks, victims described the gas as smelling sweet, with one person comparing it to the smell of cheap perfume. Mm. It was not long after the gas attacks began, during the first week of September 1944, that Farley became a suspect. In fact, Maruna said many Mattoon residents told him that they knew Farley was the true mad gasser all along. Why, then, have police and others remained silent for so long? It was purely out of respect for Farley's family, primarily his father, Maruna said. In fact, it is only because all members of the Llewellyn family are now dead that many area residents are finally willing to speak out. In addition, Maruna said a twist in the case cast a shadow of doubt on police suspicions that Farley was the mad gasser. Farley was placed under constant police surveillance following the first several gassings. However, the attacks continued to occur, baffling police and giving the appearance that Farley was innocent. Maruna believes that in an attempt to clear their brother's name, Farley's two sisters, Florence and Catherine Llewellyn, assumed the role of the mad gasser for the final series of attacks. Mm. According to Maruna's books, the later gassings became much sloppier and were markedly different from the earlier attacks. This also would explain the idea that some of these people are reporting women dressed as men. Mm -hmm. uh, while Farley had preyed on couples and families during the early gassings, his sisters targeted younger victims, often single women. The final victim of the gasser reported that her sons chased the culprit down a back alley behind her house and later found a set of footprints under the window where the paralyzing gas had been sprayed, prints that were made by a pair of women's high-heeled shoes. I find it a little hard to believe that women would be wearing heels for a gas attack, but who knows? Well, you know, everybody 
it dressed fancier back then. You know what I mean? Like yeah. you see guys like working on the railroad and they're wearing like slacks and a button up shirt and a tie and a paper boy hat. And it's like, I, I mean, I guess they just didn't have, you know, like blue jeans and t-shirts to wear back then. And maybe these women wore the high, maybe they, you know, walked or, or whatever in their regular shoes and then put these high heels on to leave the tracks so it would look like oh there's no way it could be our brother that did this that could be or it could be that when they're saying high heel i mean they don't necessarily mean like stilettos sure. it could mean something that's you know got a heel that's like an inch or two high yeah. or something that's a little bit more feminine yeah all right so, although Farley was no longer considered the prime suspect in the case, the Llewellyn family placed him in a state mental institution following the final Madagascar attack where he lived out the remainder of his life. The Llewellyn sisters were never considered as suspects and remained in Mattoon until their deaths. <sighs> so there you have it. The truth is finally out, at least one version yeah. of it. That is what I love so much about the Madagascar case, Marina said. There are so many opposing viewpoints, and I think there's a little bit of truth to all of them. And we will give you our final thoughts after a quick break. Welcome back, Crypt Keepers. So, Jay, what you think? I agree with Maruna. Because you know why? Because he investigated. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? He actually looked into it. He didn't just say, eh, probably that, mm, probably that. He actually, you know, did some investigative work to to write a book because you can put out, you know, a statement to the press and not do any investigation. But if you write a book, you damn well better do some investigation. And I it makes sense to me. I don't think it was fumes on the air from the chemical plant. I don't think that. I don't think that it was mass hysteria. I think that there's a couple that could probably be discounted a little bit, mm -hmm. you know, like, okay, well, I'm not saying that every single one of these people saw the mad gasser, but it doesn't have to be everyone for it to not be mass hysteria. Does that make right. sense? I mean, yeah. it, it doesn't. It, it, it could be two or three of them that maybe thought they saw something. Oh, hey, we're concerned citizens. You know, we know this is going on. We are going to make this report in hopes that maybe, I don't know, you'll send a deputy out. To, yeah, send Barney. Send Barney yeah. at least to investigate. Yeah, and I don't think any of that ever happened. And, and it's sad, and it shows misogyny, and it shows laziness in police work. And it shows that people are just so willing to, uh, you know, like we talk about, like, well, it can't be that. So it must be that there's no way that somebody's going around with a gas can, you know, poisoning people. So it must just be that 17 women are crazy and out of their minds and afraid because their husbands are off at war. Yeah. It's bullshit. Yep. I agree. I agree. It's, I think it's a really, I mean, we obviously cannot independently verify a lot of this information that Maruna presented, mm -hmm. but it seems like such a more realistic and grounded version of the story that it, 
it just makes so much more sense. I mean, if you want to dismiss it and say mass hysteria, fine. But mass hysteria implies that nothing happened. Like they, there has to right. at least be something for them to be afraid of. I can buy that a third or a half of these reported sightings were mistakes. Yeah, mistakes. Yeah, misidentification, something that you kind of panicked on because you know something real is going on. And Wright said that at first before mm. the chief of police came in and said, no, I don't think there's anything going on. You guys are all just freaking out. I think it's a really good conclusion and a really interesting story. And it reminds me, I'm not going to spoil anything for anybody for any of these games or books, but I've seen this this sort of theme before where the twist is the murderer or the thief or whatever is from some wealthy family. Right. And the reason they Back haven't the been Ripper. caught is everybody knows who it is. Like all the high ranking police know who it is and they're not willing to go against somebody who has so much power over them. You it's know, like, true. Oh, look, it's the, the mayor's son is the one mm-hmm. lighting back the dog shit on fire in front of people's doors, but nobody's going to do anything but, about it. Or, well, the mayor's son, what about the president's son? I wasn't going to bring up baby boy Hunter. <laughs> I mean, it's it's sad and and it's a double standard and it's total bullshit. And you know, I do feel bad for this guy because it sounds like he had a lot of problems, a lot of issues in life. And back then, things weren't dealt with with you know therapy and and even pharmaceuticals. So it's just kind of like they're just like, all right, well, you know, try and be normal. Um, yeah, yeah. Or are you depressed? Try to be happy. Yeah, it's all in your. Or we're head. gonna lock you up. I heard a great uh, quote where someone said that, um, you know, if you, if you say, I believe that your mental illness is all in your head, it's like saying that I believe your cancer is all in your brain or I believe, you know, your cancer, it, that's just all all in your lungs. And it's like, yeah, but that doesn't yeah. mean it's not real. <laughs> right. I mean, but by the same token, the chief just so showed such laziness and willingness to just do nothing and sit there. I don't know how people do this. You know what I mean? I don't understand how people just ignore a situation and just make shit up. It's yeah. swamp gas, ball lightning, or mass hysteria. That's always yeah. it, man. It's always the answer. By people that don't want to look into it, there's your answer. It's ready-made. So, yeah, I don't know. Yeah. So you agree, though? You think it was probably this guy? Yeah. Yeah. It makes a lot of sense. I mean, it sounds like something out of a story. Hmm. Like finding out, oh, this guy has a history. Okay, this guy has the resources. This guy's the outcast. This guy might have some kind of motive to want to hurt people. Yeah. Oh, look, he, you know, in the 40s has a degree in some kind of chemistry. He has a lab. <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah. they're finding a lot of stuff but they're like yes. maybe we don't want to go after the Llewellyns because they're kind of important to the community and we don't want to like tear the community apart but we're going to keep an eye on this guy still unacceptable yeah I mean there might have been a back you know like a behind the scenes kind of deal yeah. like we're not going to arrest him but you're putting him in an institution and maybe that's why that happened I don't know I just think as an investigator I would want to solve the case and present it to my public. I don't know. Maybe that's just because that's what the job is supposed to do. Yeah. Yeah. You would think you'd want to make the public feel safe. Yeah. By saying like, look, we caught who it is. 
this you could even say why and how. You don't even have to say that. You can say that we've um, identified an unnamed suspect or or an unnamed perpetrator, and he's being dealt with by the. You could say whatever. I mean, obviously, this guy's willing to say whatever. So just say, yeah, we found who did it. Um, we can't tell you who it is because there's other investigations pending. And sure. Just know that this person is not going to be in public anymore. He's not going to have the yeah. opportunity to you know, commit these crimes. Yeah, but that makes sense. I was unable to find the book. I've, I've been looking for it. The book's The Mad Gasser of Mattoon, Dispelling the Hysteria. Like Ryan said, that is from Swamp Gas Book Company, 2003. I haven't been able to find it on eBay or Amazon, <laughs> but I would love to. And uh, that brings us to the end of the podcast. Mm-hmm. You want to I use... Oh, yeah, and just before, I'm, I'm just going to let you and everybody else know that at least as of right now, this is December 3rd that we're recording, Thrift Books does not have this either. That's one of the places I commonly buy used books. Yeah. Shows there are two people interested currently, and they receive fewer than one copy every six months. So, but Maybe check the local library. A... Maybe you'll get lucky. Yeah, man, my local libraries, and, and I, I do check them fairly frequently their books on like paranormal or anything it's like eight books at each place Mm. and and i don't go downtown but you know in our branches out here it's like okay you know it's whitley streber it's uh a couple other things maybe a bigfoot book and then some alien stuff but there's always a ton of like psychic stuff you know what i mean like and it's like, we'll get some more of these other ones before you keep filling up on the psychics. Uh, that's what's popular, maybe. You want to tell them what they All need right. to know? Yeah. As, as we said at the beginning, socials are in the show notes. Check us out on YouTube. If you know if this is up, great. You've gotten to see it. If not, we're going to start uploading stuff soon, and we're going to start doing our interviews this way so that the folks that we want to talk to can show the things that they want to show everybody. Word. I think that'll help a lot with some of their presentations and just I mean I think it'll benefit everybody just being able to see what they want to show us but if you have suggestions things we could do things we could change things you want us to cover you just want to tell us what you think we'd love to hear it at crypticpodcast.gmail.com you can make a little donation to help us keep the servers on at buy me a coffee or you can buy some kind of merch or design mug shirt whatever it is we happen to have at the time at crypticpodcaststore.com and remember, mass hysteria, swamp gas, and ball lightning are the answers given by lazy people who refuse to put in the effort to find the truth. Boom. <laughs> Good evening, Crib Keepers. 